We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Well, it is another episode of the Eight Black Hands with at least six of the black hands here on time. We are here on European time, uh, getting the show nope. started. It ain't European time, it's just well, time. They don't get that. They can't have that. Keep right. going. So I get your point, but I'm not you, giving them that. You, you know what I'm trying to say. Some of our I people tell time with a sundial, <laughs> and some of our people tell time with accurate uh, analog watches. Uh, but we are here. And we are ready to talk to our people, our weekly family. How you doing, Sherry Lucas Hall? I see you jumped in. You the first one, so you get a special hello uh, as our family member jumping hey, in. Hey, Sherry, early. how you doing, Sherry? And I know our book club folks uh, will be rolling over from the book club. They are reading Fugitive Pedagogy, which I think is amazing. Yes, uh, I meant to yes. jump on with y'all today, and I'm sorry that I couldn't, but I will be jumping on with y'all soon. Anyways, to my brothers, we are back again with our family this week to talk about our 8 million black children. How are y'all doing? And either one, this ain't panel style. Like I'm yeah, running this no, show this sure. time. Today, we're not doing a panel. Today, we, 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 we going back to the original eight black hands method of talking like we people. So I'm with it. I'm trying to, uh, so I ain't got to put this all in the shot. I'm trying, I'm drinking, I'm gonna go through like three tea bags today, man. But, um, I'm good. I think, um, you know, it's obviously been a trying last few months. I think I'm on two hands now about how many people done passed away. Um, I was just telling the fellas before the show started, you know, every time somebody really special to me passes, I'm just leaving the country. So I don't know what this next trip is going to be, but as they got Wi-Fi, I'll I'll be straight. Um, And then just on this work, man, I just had to recenter. I just had to, you know, this is a job that we do, like trying to lift these voices and do the work that we do and bring attention to it. It's a job and I need to, and I'm going to like, I just want to, for the, for the rest of this year, I want to approach it like a job. I want to approach it with the same way that I approach my work. Um, and I want, and, and that's just what it is, man. I'm not here to make friends. It's not here to be like, we're not baking pies. We're not trying to, you know, it's like, yo, there's something to be done. Everybody don't need to get along. Everybody ain't got to be, you know, best of like, what is our code and, and what are we working towards collectively? Because at Costco, it's a lot of people that don't get along, but they they, shat, they they put boxes on shelves. They sell a bunch of food and items and then they go home to their families. And so, you know, we our kids depend on us uh, to, to make something better. So, you know, I don't know if that's all the death or what or I just don't care. But, you know, it is what it is, man. I'm, I'm here for that reason. And, uh, and I'm happy to see you boys, man. Y'all, y'all look good. I appreciate you the way you've been handling uh, tough times because a lot of our people are actually tired uh, from the work that we do. And we're not allowing ourselves the grace to be tired, be tired of nonsense, be tired of life, be tired of uh, the pandemic, tired of politics, tired of our family. Like, and I don't mean my immediate family. I love my immediate family, but my extended family. And by that, I mean, some of the people that are going to be on the show watching tonight. Some of y'all get on my last damn nerve. I love you, but like, like we all going through some things and and I've had lots of conversations in the last week, hearing what people are going through. Mm -hmm. Like we're putting each other through some paces. 
we need to stop it. I like Charles, like, like showing up from, from a foreign location with trees swinging in the back and the winds and stuff. I enjoyed watching that this week as I had none of that going on in my life. Sharif, how you doing, brother? You got next, bro. You got next. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, man. I think it's so important, you know, that whole self-care that we talked about earlier in the year with, Hillary Beard and like just finding our own thing, whether it's it's travel, whether it's nature, exercise, whatever it is, man, just unplugging sometimes, you know, and it's hard. Right. Like so mm-hmm. this week, uh, well, starting tomorrow at the center, we have like shutdown week. And I'm just like, yo, my calendar doesn't say shut that way. <laughs> like, it's, it's just too much going on, right? But, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I I do think most of my uh, team will, you know, take advantage of it. Some of them went out of the country, as Cole mentioned, you know, just so that they can very deliberately unplug. You know, we had a great summer with Freedom Schools and now we're getting ready for the fall. So it's just like, you know, this week of, of uh, you know, shutdown. So, but... I'm like, all right, I'm home and, you know, I still got a ton of stuff to do. But, hey, look, I'm um, also, you know, uh, yesterday was my father's birthday and I just love this man. You know, he's, uh, you know, I wrote that I feel like he's still raising me, even though I'm a grown man, 50 years old. But, you know, still to be able to tap into, you know, his wisdom, his experiences, you know, his insight, his reflections about the past, as well as, you know, um, you know, today and the future, you know, I'm really grateful for that. So, you know, just family time, you know, self-care time. And I'm glad to be here with y'all. I think we got to come up with a different name besides self-care. Mm. I don't know what it is, but I, we need to come I up with something. It, I do too. We got to come up with something that's care masculine. Care for yourself. It, it, took, it took everything in me not to, I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying because it was so beautiful, Sharif, but... I don't have a term for it. I mean, we, that's a new term, right? We didn't say that. It's such a new term. It's, it's not that it's a new term, and it's not that the things. It's not our term. And it's not that those things yeah. don't matter. But we yeah. all see so many people that abuse that term. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just like, all mm-hmm. right, friend. But it is what it is. I'm not going to be the stickler. I, you know, well, yes, we, yes, we will, Chris. Let's just be who we are, bro. We just don't we be just, who we are in this we episode. Be I was literally trying to, to think. So. What did we used to talk about? Nothing. But you know what? I also we know that was a big our job. Listen, <laughs> but yeah, but I, but I think I, I do think as a principal, as a school leader, I do think that sometimes I push too far. I do think I push mm-hmm. people too far sometimes, and just like, what do you mean you're going to get some sleep? You know, like what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you gonna sleep? Like, yeah, what do you mean you gonna sleep? Like you're lazy. Like what's the matter? And I think that was oppressive, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed that some of the, you know, when I think about some of the, uh, some of the things, some things, yeah, I meet people. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, nah, here we work, we work yeah. hard, and I'm f- totally fine with that, bro. But I've, I've shared this before. Like I spent more than one night at my school. You know, just like, oh, I looked up, it's midnight, like, oh, by the time I go home, da da da, you know what I mean? Like, like that ain't that ain't healthy. It's like, come on. Well, that's- two things, and I want to bring our brother in here who just who just joined us. Number one, I think many of us feel so blessed to do the work that we do that we feel bad complaining when it's mm-hmm. too much and when it overwhelms us. Mm-hmm. And we also have a sense or a feeling in the back of our mind that if we let up our good thing will end or some of us have imposter syndrome. Some of us have have that like we got to work twice as hard to get half as much mentality. Yeah. yeah. Mentality. So we're watching other people get the grants, get the grant funding. Mentality and reality. And reality, right? So, you know, in, in one way, we feel like we don't kill ourselves in the work, work that we do, that we somehow won't keep getting the rewards of it. 
brother Ray, how are you doing, brother? You can, you you made it. We are just happy and blessed that you are here. How you, you doing? European time. No, 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 he's not. He's not. But but how you doing? I'm not on European time. My yeah. apologies to the audience. My apologies to the crew. I have some tech issues, man. I had to reset my browser a couple times in order to get the get, get a picture. Right. So like yeah. I was going uh, to it was all kind of things that I all kind of workarounds that I was trying to do. But um, You're here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm in. Yeah. The yeah. Nobody's feeling good. You feeling good? Yeah. I, um, this is my Looking yoga. Healthy. This is this is my yoga shirt right here. I can tell it's real That's fitting. It's it's yeah. it's tight and it's fitting and yeah. it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Trying so, out but, for a new marble. Yeah, but keep Let's doing it. So here's what we got to do. We got to do more yeah. to celebrate each other, right? We got to do more yeah. to celebrate black men. I'm ce- I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating your health and your tight you shirt. Shout I'm just out. sick I of you it. Had a yeah. tryout. I'm, yeah, I'm you giving go. you kudos. There you go. So, anyways, welcome, brother. Welcome. Thank you for being here. And we got Charles back. Before we jump into the show, I just want to say all of our family is here. So uh, uh, thank you, Jason and Cynthia, Nicole, Naomi, Michelle Johnson, Mama Toya, all of y'all for being in and, and Sherry, being in the uh, in the fam, being with us tonight. I hope that none of you are getting too tired to do the work that you do, because I watch each and every one of you. And I know you by name. I know you by face. And I watch you on social media. And you are all doing amazing things. I hope that none of you get tired because uh, because the world is meant to make you tired of the work that you're doing. But we need you all in the game. So thank you for being here. Tonight's discussion, brothers, uh, I think is kind of a novel, provocative discussion. Here, here, here it is. We've been talking about CRT for weeks. We've been talking about the tax on civil rights, ethnic studies, uh, anything that isn't white in schools. Right. And it might leave the impression in our audience that because we are so hard on that, we are so down like with that part of things that we're like CRT all stars and that we're in perfect agreement and whatnot. And um, it occurs to me, even in listening to some of our old shows, that there are some things that are done in the name of equity that we're not all for. Right. <laughs> so I wanted to do this show around dumb things done in the name of equity. Now, I had a couple examples that I pulled that we can take a look at. But I want to ask you all just in conversation, just to, to start us off with. Can, can you think of any examples of things practical or, or, or theoretical or policy-wise or whatever, where you see something done in your local areas in, in the name of equity, with people using that word in that name, and it's the exact opposite of equity. Oh, you. I definitely got one. We got uh, in Oakland, we had a, 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 a one website system where you could apply to an, a traditional OUSD school and a charter school. And in the name of equity or supporting the district, they fought and got rid of the damn, um, they, they split it out. So, oh, you, so because they had to protect the districts, uh, it, they made it harder for parents to be able to choose schools and look at everything in one place and made it more difficult. So, you know, in, in hopes that that enrollment in the traditional schools would, uh, would raise. And they said they use equity a lot when they did that. That's your example. <laughs> well, wait a second, too. How how did they think that that was making things equitable? And they were saying that because they're the they're the OUSD district, they have to put their kids. They have to put the district kids first and make and to do that. You have to make sure the resources are there. And because charters suck money, like it was a whole thing, bro. But they use equity um, and use a lot of mis- misnomers to kind of get people on board with that, which a lot of people weren't when you actually explain what was happening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but but you said mm-hmm. the, the the show is called Dumb Things Dumb in the Name of Equity. Yeah, that was equity was the was the Trojan horse used in order to like take this blow against a uh, choice. It yeah, was it's the dumbest yeah. shit ever. And the reason they're saying that they're doing that is because they got to put the district kids equity to them is the dis- district kids are first and uh, screw everybody else in the city. Right. All right. All right. What about the rest of you brothers? Anything in your local area or even national where you've looked at it and you've thought to yourself, that ain't equity. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, when you, when you look at like these conferences, right. And then you look at like the poster of a, uh, of a conference session and you're like, oh, this is going to be about equity. And then you see faces that are just like, Wait, well, I thought this was <laughs> <laughs> say more, say more, because no, I, I don't want to say, say more. Be I'm specific. Not, I'm not gonna say more. Yeah, so, but, but, but here's what I want. Here's what I want. Warning to you folks that follow me on social media and LinkedIn, whatever. Don't hit me up randomly about about coming to my school talking about DEI training. If you're a fifth grade teacher and you just went to a goddamn session, one session, and now all of a sudden you're a DEI expert. But they coming to you. They they saying they want you to bring them to your school. Yeah, to come and teach you some things. Yeah, because they learn some things. Yeah, Yeah. more dangerous than a little bit of information, right? After one session, though. I mean, they're very smart, Ray. They're very smart. They learn very quick. (laughs) What about you, Sharifa? Anything where you look at it and you're like, "That's not equity." Yeah, I mean, anytime I hear about people not holding um, a high bar not having high expectations, not having an expectation that students will leave me um, stronger, smarter, faster, um, any of that. And it's just like, no, they just need to be hugged for 200 days. Um, mm. You know, I don't I, want you I, hugging my children. That yeah, don't seem I mean, natural. It's a slippery slope, you know, mm-hmm. of, of folks who don't understand the balance. Like you can, you can, same way you do, would do with your own biological uh, kid. You don't. You don't. You want them to be able to walk, to run, to achieve, to to navigate. And there are way too many folks who don't have the skills to do that in mm. the classroom or the school. Um, and so they'll they'll hide behind this word equity, which is as nebulous as you can get, and don't do anything because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, they don't want to be held accountable. Um, and so you see that all the time. And it's a pretty pervasive, sinister, uh, you know, uh, phenomenon that happens a lot. You know, folks coming in, parachuting into our community, saying, oh, we're, we're here to help. We're here in the name of equity. And kids leave un- from under their care, so-called care, because it's not care, um, illiterate or mm-hmm. being pushed mm-hmm. out even before they finish. Right. And so um, to me, all of that is uh, is extremely problematic. And mm-hmm. a lot of it's done in the name of equity. Some dumb stuff. So before we roll into what I see as our first item to talk about, uh, you know, and these items are going to be like equity or nah. <laughs> equity? <laughs> equity or nah. nah. <laughs> you know, um, but before we do. Uh, maybe we should start with the definition because uh, I, I I do this everywhere. We, you know, every time this comes up, I'm always like, I don't know how y'all defining it. And to be very honest with you, I'm not always sure how I'm defining equity, but I know we're, we're defining it differently. Do y'all have any like rock solid advice on how you, when you think about that word and what people are attempting to do with it, what would, what would you say? Like if I put you on the spot and said, no, nah, you're going to be the czar of all words. You're going to be the dictionary king. You're going to make the definition. What is the definition of equity in education? I mean, for me, it's often looking at uh, who's who's 
where has injustice been and addressing it, right? And so for me, it is like, okay, an example is, you know what? Philadelphia schools, poor neighborhoods, poor communities, poor districts, uh, they get less funding. You yeah. know, when it all when you boil it down. So equity would be like the state saying, huh, you know what? They can't raise taxes in that particular district. So equity is means that I'm going to add to that level to make sure that they are getting what they need. Because you know what? They have more poverty in that neighborhood. They have more uh, uh, immigrants in that community. They have more of whatever it is that makes uh, make children struggle more. And I'm adding resources to help me. I'm making sure they have the best teachers. I'm making sure that they have the funding. I'm making sure that their schools hmm. um, don't like I am. I am taking what I have and I'm distributing it with justice in mind. And what I always say is equity isn't the end game. Justice is the end game. Equity, equity is how you fix the oppression that happened in the, in the past. Right. And so you're it's on to the way to justice to means exactly. to an end. So, Charles, let me ask this question differently to you. If mm-hmm. I'm a parent and I'm listening to all these board meetings and I keep hearing this word get tossed around and it's actually like sitting on me that I actually don't really know what they're talking about. Like when they say equity all the time, what should I be thinking in my head to like help me translate what the hell these people are talking Man. about? Well, one, you should implement what we do at our board meetings at the hospital anytime because it's, it's the hospital stuff. So everything is a big technical word or abbreviations and they'll yell at you. And we give them we give them that permission. And there's supposed to be a, a tip jar. Right. That, that will end up going to those people at the end. But but basically, but the, the spirit of it is. Talk in a way that people can actually understand and follow you if you want them to be engaged. So mm-hmm. and, and equity is something that you have to. I, we we talking about the spirit of it. What, what Sharif was talking about was the spirit of it. But you have to be spiritually honest to utilize that term because people will then use it to do other things. So that's what we're seeing. Right. We're seeing people. Um, that's what's happening at those board meetings. When you don't know or you don't want to say these things right to these people or you don't want to be held accountable, start throwing out a bunch of different terms that they like or that will spark certain things and then quickly move on. And by the time they get home, they'll be like, what happened at that meeting just now? What did I, what was I okay with, right? So you can demand people to say, you know, I don't understand that word or what you mean in this context. Can you please explain further? Can you please explain the thought or the rationale between this? Or how would this help or hurt my family specifically? I think that last question is really important. How would this help or hurt my family specifically? Um, and, and, and so, and I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that. I don't know what type of answer you're going to get depending on these people. But, um, but you know, those are just, that, that's what I would tell parents at these meetings. And I have something, write it down. You got a phone, write down a bunch of, the same thing we would tell kids when they were younger, right? Write down all the words you didn't know for the day. And then later at the end, let's go through this dictionary and really try to understand it because mm-hmm. they will tell you that a blue sky is red and they'll say it over and over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. you the crazy person at the end of the day when you like, but the sky is blue, fam. Like, right, right. I know I'm not crazy. And that's the thing, right? We got to make you feel like you're crazy. It's your fault your kid ain't, ain't getting what they need to get to. It's your fault because you choosing all these other schools. It's your fault because you're a terrible parent. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I'm trying to give your kid these 40 hugs, but Chris Stewart don't want it. So it's all your fault. Equity closed down that charter school. That's kind of how it goes, bro. You know what? I actually, uh, and Ray, I'm going to ask you the same question. What I would actually ask parents, students, anybody doing it, they're a little bit confused and somebody is doing this in meetings, like you were just saying at the, at the healthcare board meetings, you know, 
Is ask somebody directly say, I don't really understand what you mean when you say that word. So use a different word. Could you please help me with a different word? Could you rephrase it for me? Say it in a different with a different word. And boy, let me tell you, all hell breaks loose when you do that to people who overuse the word too much. They start grasping for straws and whatnot. Just just train parents to say that. I don't really like that word a lot because I don't understand what different people mean. But use a different word. Can you can you help me rephrase it? Watch what happens. Raymond, you are doing a dissertation, brother, on the school, you know, to, to home type of connection, the the family uh, engagement part of things. What's a what's a shared definition between home and school, a shared definition that an educator at school and a parent at home should be able to say, we know what this means. You better cite it to. <laughs> yes, we don't want a citation too, bro. not just hey. one. We want a citation for every word in the sentence. Whatever it is you're looking for, I, 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 I can give you. Um, uh, so I think it's like the opportunity to kind of increase access by removing barriers, right? And so looking at just poverty and like the, the kind of just like addressing poverty from its root, because um, there's no real way to address it without acknowledging like where it comes from. Um, and then also just using data to kind of support inequity or to shine a, a, shine a spotlight on equity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I like to have data-informed conversations, right? Because, like, when you have data-informed conversations, then you take all the feelings, like, out of the element, right? And so if I'm presenting information to to parents, I think it's easier for us to just talk numbers than it is for us to use words that are gonna like either put them on the defensive or 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 give them a lack of understanding as to like what we're what we're talking about. But if we're talking about if we're talking about numbers, numbers don't lie. You know, you, there's no real way to kind of weasel your way around what the numbers look like, especially if we're looking at the subcategories that are most important to us in this work, and those are the students that are performing um, below uh, status quo. And so if you're looking at it from that perspective, I'm I'm a numbers person. All right. Well, uh, that's a perfect segue. Uh, super producer, let's let's pull up item number one. This is going to be equity or naw. Um, Oregon governor passes law that suspends math reading proficiency requirements for high school graduates. Uh, and one of the reasons that our, our esteemed uh, governor of Oregon said that she did this is for equity purposes. Um it's going to be equitable to pass a law that says that we're going to suspend math and reading proficiency requirements for high school graduates. Uh, people feel different ways about this. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, the team, the illustrious crew, equity or nah? Bro, this is hell nah. <laughs> <laughs> why, Ray? I mean, why? Like, it's been a tough time. Students have had a tough time right now. Hell nah. it's, it's nah because... You're gonna see you you'll you'll really start to see um that equity spotlight that we're talking about because you'll have some some folks that will be able to you have some folks that are will be able to go in and, and give um give their kids what they need in order for them to be prepared for college. They'll be able to afford tutors and 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 do all the ACT prep, SAT prep, and all those things that maybe someone that is uh is poverty adjacent may not be able to afford. Mm-hmm. So those kids are still going to get into college. Um, and while while we're going to be on the outside looking in. And so I don't think that this is this is not equity at all. This is hell no. Nah. 
Okay, well, let me, you know, for my illustrious brothers here, let me complicate this one a little bit, because on the face of it, of course, it looks to me like a hell no right away. But the very first sentence, uh, Oregon Governor Kate Brown signed a bill last month uh, that high school students do not have to prove that they can read, write or do math before they can graduate. So I would say to you, you have lots of students that have had a, a rough year, a, a rough year and a half. And to hold them back from getting their diploma now, uh, you know, something that we know for sure is like the gateway to the rest of their life, to college, to whatever, on the basis of proficiency, which comes from a test, that might seem a little inequitable to hold them back, too. Now, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying what I'm believing. I'm just, I'm just wanting to talk about it with y'all. I get what you're saying. I think, I mean... It's still wild. It's still crazy. It's still some bullshit. But I will say this, right? What I think this is this is how I think they think it. Nobody wants to be the governor, the mayor, the superintendent or the principal during this time. If you got to flunk all the kids. Right. And mm-hmm. also, let's also stop acting like this is brand new. We've been passing kids through that can't read for a long time. Like I graduated with a 383 GPA and was remedial everything. What what the hell was that, right? You know what I'm saying? I think, but if you're trying to be equitable, it's acknowledging and saying this is a really rough year and kids were already behind and this this exacerbated that. Our system really can't handle just holding everybody back. It's just not built for that. But what we're going to do is as these kids graduate and build on, we're going to make more capacity in our community colleges. We're going to make more capacity in our universities uh, with remedial courses or whatever to bring them up to speed so they can be by the time they graduate in four to five years from college, they'll be where they need to be. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if you're honest with people and, and that what I just said was very equitable, you know what I mean? You're still doing the same stuff, but you're not treating people like they dumb and you're not bastardizing a term that is actually really important, that is actually needed. Equity is something we actually care about because I know haters will try to take our stuff and like say they hate equity now, right? And it's no, we love it. We love it in its real form. But when you do stuff like this and use it this way, you build the case for the other side of people that hate these terms and are like, see, our, our country getting soft and everybody else just needs to get like us. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so... Kedrick says a diploma without a clear metric of success or a pathway to post-secondary success is just a piece of paper. Um, Sherry Lucas Hall says, uh, so those that were already failing are falling. No, no, she said failing will now be ready to contribute. How? Like, you know, uh, if you just pass them through um, Sasha Beckett, uh, uh, Abdullah says that, uh, well, she asked the question, what do the tests prove anyways? Um, what do the standardized tests prove? Anyways, um, Michelle Johnson has a quote here where she's saying or a comment. Proficiency comes from instruction. Proficiency comes from instruction. She put in big letters there. Strong instruction that they didn't get. So in the last year, how is it fair to hold them back if in the last year they were robbed of really good instruction? It's not that they didn't know how to read or write or do math. It's the fact that they were provided they were provided raggedy ass instruction. How's it fair to? hold them back for proficiency <laughs> and raggedy instruction didn't just start with the pandemic right like, uh, yes know, it was, did before that it was solid it was stellar, what are you talking it about it was stellar that. you know i, I agree good. with with cole on this like for me the equity wouldn't necessarily be like what happens in june with a piece of paper to me equity is is more of a long-term issue right mm-hmm. and so yeah like okay are you really going to hold back thousands of students when as you said they it wasn't 
their fault? Um, and what do you do afterwards? Like, are they gainfully employed or creating businesses or are they able to move on and, and pursue their aspirations, right? And for me, the equity would be, you know, on both sides of it. One, fix, the, fix your schools. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other side, how do we make sure that students are able to to run after they graduate? No matter what you say, like, oh, we're moving graduate from June to August or, or we're this diploma or not. All of that doesn't matter if the mm. following month or the following year you interview those students, you go and look at their data, you go and see who's able to uh, navigate society or not. And if you haven't done anything, um, that's not equity. So to just to say, oh, go ahead and graduate and go ahead and, you know, jump off the ship and, 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 and you haven't taught them to swim and they jump into the ocean, let's say, hey, we didn't hold them back on the ship. <laughs> like that ain't equity, right? And so it, it, it is more complex than that. And a whole lot of folks will just look at that and say, yeah, great, get rid of the test, right? Like, and, and they don't care what level the kids are able to read on. They're just like, yeah, but those tests are oppressive. Like, can you know what's oppressive? Not being able to read. <laughs> that's that is that's the definition of oppression. Uh, it really is. I mean, to be up at McDonald's sounding out the menu, <laughs> big, 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 well, big. I mean, sometimes big, they just make that, enough. That, come on, I got to sound out what they. Like, what is this? A mix? What? Like what they, you know, they just throw stuff together. But I feel you. I feel you. Real quick, fellas, because uh, you're going to have folks that are going to be in the audience that are going to be like, you know, standardized tests are oppressors, standardized tests are tools of the oppressor and like all these other things. Let's just break this down real quick. Right. And so if you are in a school and you're teaching a curriculum based, a standards based curriculum, right, you are teaching kids standards. And so every day you are going through a set of standards in which kids need to master. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the end of you teaching that curriculum, because most times, you know, I, I give or take, people don't get through their whole curriculum, right? There's a snow day here, uh, a COVID uh, disaster here or there, or whatever. You, so there are all kinds of monkey wrenches that are thrown in that don't allow you to get through the full curriculum. However, if you teach this curriculum to fidelity, Right. Even if you get through 80 percent of your curriculum, if you get through 80 percent of your curriculum with 80 percent mastery, if your students are mastering 80 percent of the curriculum, then they are going to do fine on standardized tests. Mm-hmm. If you're a principal and you're watching this, instead of cramming in test prep uh, the last month before the test, make it a whole year thing. Make your do nows be wrap around test prep questions so that you're teaching above the test so that when your kids have the opportunity to take these tests, they smash them. Right. Mm-hmm. Gave your game. Right. And so for those people that are anti-standardized tests, you're anti-standards. You you're anti-teaching. You you're anti-teaching, really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, you're anti-teaching. I, I, I get why they don't think that way about it. But I, I like te- the teaching and learning process has always involved the call and response of teach and, and measure, teach and measure. Right. Like so we, we allowed teachers unions a few years ago to start 
promoting test and punish as like this cute little thing that they would say, we're never going to, you know, our kids will, we're stealing joy from our kids with test and punish and whatnot. There's always been the standard, uh, the, the call and response of teach, teach a little, and then see if your lesson landed, teach a little, and then see if your lesson landed. That's not new. Right. Like, and, and, and I think a lot of people are like, my lesson didn't land. I don't want to test. <laughs> it didn't land. And Chris, I, tell you and, ahead of time. And Chris, I know you got a bunch of these to get through. So yeah, less than a minute. Cause again, we had Casey, the college exit exam in California. 81% of kids pass it. You got to take it your first time in the 10th grade. It's basically, can you read at a ninth grade level? Or can you do math at a ninth grade level? We're not talking, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about SATs and ACTs. I'm not even, I'm not talking about whatever it is you think. I'm, what they're talking about is just basic, like entry to being an adult, right? Is a like ninth grade English level or something like that. Somebody with stats can go look at that. But uh, I know we got to get to item two, but again, this is, and we had a few kids that weren't able to get there and eventually they got rid of it. But 80% of the kids finished that test the first time they took it in the 10th grade. And you could take it a bunch of times up until you were a senior. And because we weren't able to get those kids where we needed them to be, we didn't do better at instruction. We got rid of the whole damn thing. So when I see the Oregon piece is reminding me of that. And people just think something else when you say standardized test. This is just a basic, can you, like, we want to make sure you can read and comprehend. But I know you got a bunch of these, Chris, so you got to, yeah. we'll move through these next ones faster. Sorry about that. No, we on time. We good. Just chill. All right, till the next episode. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. No, it's, it's good, man. So listen, uh, I want to go to number two, item number two. I w- let me round out number one first just by saying this. I can, I can see two sides to it. Uh, I can see like kids are so close to graduating right now to stop them from graduating from school because you messed up a year of their life. My sense, my, my, my private sense, when I think about it is they're probably as ready as they, they there's, there's not, I don't assume that they can't read, write or whatnot. I, I assume they had a really bad year and to hold them back right now might not be the most equitable thing, but the anti-testing stuff and the anti, you know, proficiency and all that type of stuff, I think is part of an inequitable movement. Sweet, so you know, so I'm talking out both sides of my neck. Anyways, item number two. It's not gonna be the last time I talk out of both sides of my neck. Talking out the mm-hmm. side of your neck. No, I see Google you with it. the nuance. You know, I see you. You know, Google it, millennials talking out the side of your neck. Cameo, y'all don't know nothing about that. Here we go. Number two. Principal segregated students into black only classes in Georgia, federal complaint says. Now, this was a black uh, principal. There was a black parent who wanted to have her kid move to a different classroom because she had heard, I think she had heard good things about a teacher in another classroom. She approached the principal about it. The principal said to her, um, I'm sorry, but that's, uh, I'm not putting any of my black kids in that particular classroom. Uh, the, the parent said something like, oh, you have those? You have like black only classrooms? And the principal admitted, absolutely I do. So the principal was taken upon herself in Georgia, apparently, uh, I know we got a couple of people from Atlanta, uh, at least from Georgia, in the comments. Tell me if I'm wrong. But the news story says that the principal was dividing up uh, white kids and black kids into white classrooms and black classrooms. And uh, I ask you, fellas, um, we believe in, you know, kind of open access to everything in education. We also believe in culturally affirming uh, rooms, you know. So uh, what say you equity or not? Nah? Well, and let me just just throw it out there. Let's go, we're going to start with school. I got leaders. questions about it, but go ahead. Yeah, we're going to start with school leaders first. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, on the hook. No, this is this is not accurate, bro. Um, and you got to be careful with this kind of stuff, right? So, like, you know, if if you if you want to have culturally affirming schools, then you need to do that. But if you have schools that have uh, everybody uh, in them, and uh, <laughs> you can't do shit like this, <laughs> like, this is crazy. But no, nah, this is not equity. I, I mean, mean even if she even if she was doing it because she thought that it was going to be more affirming for the black students. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sharif. No, I mean, yeah, it's a, a good question. And I'm just wondering, maybe the principal was just learning from their district. Like, I mean, I know plenty of districts. They do that. <laughs> like maybe they that's that was part of their principal training. Like observe how kids get routed to school. She noticed that they're all in black school. She's like, oh, well, let me fix this. This is a this is a mixed environment. Let me go ahead and fix this and make it look more like society so we can be consistent around these parts. I I, I would love, you know, just to talk to her to understand, like, what it is that she was doing. Um, but I, I I find it hard to, you know, to just see that right in the middle of, you know, in a vacuum just to do that, Um you know, at the end of the day, she's she's the principal of a building. She's responsible for all the students, including the safety and intellectual, uh, you know, uh, safety of of her black children. I, I I'd be hard pressed to understand how that leads to um, leads to that. It hey. sounds like it sounds like something else. I agree with Ray. It's uh, don't agree with me. Don't agree with me. Well, I, 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 don't, I, I disagree with how Ray described it, and right. I agree with him. How, yeah. Yeah. So, 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 if you if you want to, if you really want to, like, talk to her in person, uh, take a GoPro and go to the Georgia unemployment. <laughs> See now you're just being messy. That's just wrong. So she shouldn't I, be fired for that. Face, go, ahead, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I mean, on his face, like I said, I don't. Again. There's not really a lot of details in this piece. I don't know why that happened. And I could see situations where that could possibly happen, right? One example that I've had happen before, a racial issue happened. And it wasn't necessarily the but they separated people by race. So actually they could talk to these white, so they could talk to these white kids, and these white kids could ask questions and actually learn in the space. I'm giving this person the benefit of the doubt just because mm-hmm. I know how. All of us have had stories written about us too. Like I had one written about us when we about me at that damn um that conference or whatever that made me out to be mean and a bully and all that. I'm like, watch the tape. That's not even what happened. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like Ray Reyes had stories written about him where it's like, that's not what happened. Chris has I, that's not what I said. Sharif, I didn't do that, right? So with this black woman, I don't know what the point of that was from happening. Maybe there was something specific to that thing happening in that moment where it made more sense to have them parsed out. I don't know. Or maybe it was an affinity group thing, which my high school also had, where you could pick different groups and there was a black group, there was a chess club. There, I mean, I don't, but again, on his face, no, absolutely it's not equity. Secondly, though, I'm going to give this person at least a benefit of the doubt to hear more. I didn't have to do that with the Oregon story because I'm a bit more familiar with that. They talked about that on the show earlier, uh, David, and um, on Common Grounds, David and Omar talked about it. So I was more familiar with that. But I just didn't want to I don't want to pile on this black woman on this person, not because she's a black woman either. Right. But just I don't I need to understand more. Like people have a reason for why they do things. And I just I, I would just be curious. But on this face as presented, Chris, no, it's not. It's not equity on his face. Yeah, I mean, can if it's you, for a class example? or specific things, I, I did this with boys before. We I do with boys too. Our our, uh, our classes, uh, you know, it wasn't all day, but like certain classes, like social emotional learning, for example, 
we would uh, divide the children up and they felt they also felt like, you know, what I feel more comfortable and I'm more prone to ask questions that I might be embarrassed to ask in front of my peer who's uh, a different gender and things like that. So, it, it you know, it, it all it all depends. And as you said, on the face of it, it looks no, right. You know what I mean? You know, if it's like all day, all year, like, nah, that's your class. You stay there. Um, right. Yeah. And Chris, you're you about to ask for examples of when it's appropriate. Yeah. Like uh, if you had an example when you think, OK, this, you know, yeah, I can see how you. this might be a good example. No, I'll tell you. So let's so, so let's say um, like a racial thing happens in, in Oakland. You start out with everybody together and just get general stuff. But then they might break out into different affinities because when you're trying to educate people, if there's one group that's really, really, really hurting in that moment and really need to process there's a space that they need. But if there's actually a group that might be really ignorant to what's happening and they really need stuff kind of explained to them. And I've seen this go both ways. I've seen it go for black kids needed to understand a little something a little bit more. White kids, Latino kids. With us, it's, no, it's normally black and Latino in the Bay. Right. Because we had these changing demographics and there were just there was a group that we were in and they put the Latino kids in one room and the black kids. But they really was explaining to us what was happening and what what they were having this reaction to or whatever the case was. And then we came back in together and highlighted points and built community in that way. But you can't if you if if I'm black, I'm black. Right. If something super racist happens to a black person, I'm upset like Trayvon Martin. I don't have the patience for the white people in that room at the moment that may be like, well, why didn't he just comply? What is this? I don't have the patience to sift through. Well, there's a history in this country around X, Y and Z. That's important information that they need. I just don't need to be there for it. I need to process my own anger, pain or whatever that I'm having. That That's one example. And, and, that, and, and in that black and Latino piece, it helped us out because we did leave a little stronger together and with a better understanding of what these other people were going through. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that don't fly for you. I'm just but I, I can just see a situation where there's just more detail given than what's needed. I, it mostly happens around sexes, though. Right. It mostly happens when you separate boys and girls. And if you want to look at the details of where black boys actually learn the best two surprising places is military ran public schools is one. And then same sex schools is another one. So why is it that boys learn better with boys? Right. Like there's some data around that piece. But I think the way that this was written uh, was and if and if this is true, how it was written, then yeah, it's foul, right? What'll yeah, happen? Yeah. Will happen. But those are just a few examples of when it might behoove, you know, to separate and then bring back together. But there's always a bringing back together. Hey, answer your own yeah. question. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm on the fence about this one because I don't think you can do this in traditional district schools. I understand why she's in trouble for doing this. If I was a parent, because these are both black people, it's a black parent who wanted to get her kid into another class who's being told, I can't get into this class. You can't get into this class because your child's black. This is where I always have felt about the integration segregation thing. I've always been, I've always felt like, don't tell me where I can't go is a rule when I think about segregation and integration, mm -hmm. don't tell me I have to go into one place and don't tell me I can't go into a place because of my color, right? So if I wanna go to an HBCU, shut up. If I wanna go to a PWI, shut up. If I wanna go to this classroom that this, this uh, sister wanted her daughter to, to go to, then you can't tell me no. Uh, we worked with somebody in, in Connecticut, uh, LaShawn Robinson, whose son wasn't led into a magnet school because they already had too many black children. That's a no. 
I'm sorry, that's a no go. So my rule of thumb, my libertarian rule of thumb is don't tell me what I can't do or have to do based on my race. And if you don't break either one of those rules, we good. We golden. As long as the association is voluntary, I can be with all black folks if I want to, all brown folks, all beige folks, whatever I want. That's just life. Hey, but real quick, on those elementary schools, uh, it might have been an AP class if it was older. Like, no, you can't go. You black, you can't go to these and every, honors every, classes. Every case I AP brought up was courses. a traditional school. Hey, listen, yeah. if yeah. she, if she, but but here's what I can get behind: if she wanted to open up her own school and she wanted to have a a, a culturally affirming uh, setting in order, absolutely, to, I would support her 100. percent Absolutely, yeah, and then families are opting into that, right? right. Yeah, I see that uh, Principal Kefele is in our in our comments, brother. What what do you say about this as a principal, not just a principal, but as a master school leader? We'd love to see your your thoughts on this particular one. Um, Jedi Kefele, that's right, that's right. Country. And, and, um, every, every time it happened with me, it was in a traditional school. I've only gone to traditional schools. Right. You know, and and it's funny because it happens even in in. Um, more than people know, it happens a lot in magnet schools, like the schools that are meant to be integrated. They tell people they can't come in because of their, their color. So oh, that's a whole show, bro. We can talk I about know. the school within the school. I know it's it's so ridiculous. All right, super producer, let's get on to this next one. Since I, I got my esteemed educated brothers with me tonight, uh, woke math in Seattle. They're going to stop teaching kids one plus one equals two. They're going to start teaching that one plus one equals lynching. <laughs> what is wrong with America? Woke math. Math and gone woke. All right. So anyways, after all my bluster about the setup for this, there's woke math in Seattle as a problem. Woke math in San Diego as a problem. It's uh, it's in a lot of places. And as a problem, this is what I mean. For one of you that has done your dissertation and one that's on your way to doing it, I'm trying to speak your language when I say a problem. They are problematizing uh, the attempt in math to make math culturally relevant. So what I wanted to do is pull up a study or an article on it that doesn't just show their outrage about it, but it shows Seattle's rubric. And clearly Seattle wants to teach math, ethnic studies through a framework that talks about the origins, identity, and agency uh, as a theme in mathematics so that we can view all of ourselves as as mathematicians. They have a theme around power and oppression and how um, how illegitimacy or legitimacy is u- used to disenfranchise people through math um, and history, a history of resistance and liberation as a theme and reflection and action as a theme. All of these are meant to help you construct and decode mathematical knowledge, truth and beauty so that uh, you can contribute to experiences and the experiences of people, your own experiences and experiences of people in your community. That's woke math. That's that's the beginning of a woke math framework. Uh, and there's a rubric. Educators, help me out here, brothers. Is this is this equity or not? Nah, for one, and is this going too far? Shouldn't we just be teaching the basics? Actually, I love this if kids are actually learning how to do math at the same time, right? And so I I know sometimes we would break out the math course into theory and application. 
right? And to be able to provide context and, and real world solutions and students seeing that, you know, like when we were at that uh, STEM museum and every mathematician was a white man in the exhibit in that museum and children were going through there. So they saw that, that's, that's also what they see in their textbooks and in the classrooms. And um, so I, I think absolutely. And make sure that the application uh, is there. But grounding kids, so like, yeah, it ain't just white people who contributed to math. There are a whole lot mm-hmm. of folks that look like you and look like a lot of other folks around the world. Yeah, that idea of, of seeing themselves as mathematicians, seeing how math has been used to oppress, see how people cook the numbers, have them see it, analyze it, uh, as long as they have the, the application apart. Because I didn't see that in the rubric at, at a glance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to assume that it's it's on the next page. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> that's why I'm going to assume there's some actual mathematical standards um, in there as well. But as far as like uh, using math, the paradigm differently, Absolutely. I, I think this is absolutely crucial. Yeah. I think if you teach in math, <laughs> listen, man, um, just our, if like like you said, Reef, if kids leave knowing how to do math, like that's that, I think that's number one. I think a good math teacher worth their salt. Right. Knows how to fuse in the actual historic pieces or like, you know, the history around some of these things. For instance, I had a great math teacher that I did an interview with, uh, Mr. Brown. I've talked about him before, but he taught us math as a language, right? Like, to, but to help us conceptualize and use it in real life. Like that wasn't in his curriculum. It's just, he was a master at what he did. Now what you can do around, I'm worried about that because I think people struggle with just teaching math in general to black kids. So that looked very complicated, but it probably isn't, right? We haven't had a chance to fully read it. But what you can do from that scholastic policy level, we had certain classes grouped, right? We were in this thing called academy and they want the same students to be in the same classes with each other. So, all right, boom, if that's the case, maybe that math teacher can work with that world history teacher and loop in and be like, hey, I know you guys are learning this in math right now. Let's talk about the history of that and how that relates. So I'm getting my math time in math and I'm getting my history and being able to make that connection. So, and and I have classes that are reinforcing each other, mm-hmm. right? Like we got to We, to be such a to, to think we so smart, we just be dumb sometimes. I don't know like why we can't do that. I don't think it's that hard for us to be, um, you know, innovative. And I think that every side just likes to fight at some points, too. You know what I'm saying? That's I, I don't know if the fight needs to be that. I, I, I really don't. I mean, you have to ask yourself why people care so much about what's going on in Seattle, why you have a national uproar of conservatives who suddenly care about how math is being taught and how they just apply the label woke to everything that they don't like. Really, all this is, 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 yeah, just just apply woke to it. And suddenly it's just bad just because. But they can do that because it's the first thing you started with, Chris, around equity, right? Like the more we do that dumb shit and call everything equity, the more the other side can call everything woke. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. That's a really good point. That's yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord. That's see now you preaching. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is this why is that's why, important, and you got to tell. This is why we're doing this show right this, now. This is, yeah, this, this is why you see some of the the, the 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 most revolutionary black people step up and say that's not racist, right? And they step right. up and say that because it's like we went through real racism. I'm trying to fight real racism, right? Like like they protect those terms and that word, so you can't bastardize it and call it. All right, well, what's woke and what's not? What's yeah. equity and what's not? 
Your well, before we move off, off of this one, before we move, Ray, you do you have any problem with this one? Do you have any as a as a school leader? Do you have any issues with this? No, I think I think that this is the first example of equity that we've seen um, mm. in the sense that um, kids need to see themselves in the curriculum, right? Right. Suppose yeah. can you uh, add to it? Suppose the math te- suppose the teacher actually doesn't have deep content knowledge, but they're teaching all of that. Then what? Oh no! Oh no! 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 So it has it has to be a it has to be an and right. So you have to have deep content knowledge in order to be able to even approach teaching this this way, right? And so, no, but but there's there's simple things that you can do in math that can make it uh, more palatable to, to to all students, right? So like when you look at word problems or whatever, if kids see their names or names that look similar to them. Right. Then they become more engaged in terms of like wanting to work out and com- and do those computations. Right. So there's there's a I think that this is a start. Right. And I think that anything that you say or anything that you do in a school that pisses off the right is like heading towards the right, the right way in terms yeah. of equity. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So like if you're if you're starting to see people that are calling things woke and calling things whatever they are, it's because of that fear of equity. Right. Yeah. So um, I definitely think that this is this is equity. Would would love to see um uh, uh would love to see more of what what the what the rubric has, just to make sure that as Reef said, it has those math components that's measuring, you know, what a case should be doing grade by grade by grade. But well, you um, know, in in the uh, outcomes, it's saying that uh, the student will be confident in their ability to construct and decode mathematical knowledge, truth and beauty. Um, They'll be able to access mathematical knowledge and see it as an act of liberation in itself. So, I mean, the things that it's aiming for to get you to be able to do, if you can do that. I still want to hear the math standards, though. I know you do, but y'all, that's because y'all. They'll be able to look at the beauty. That's because y'all hella racist. Y'all hella racist. That's why. If if teachers master their content, man, you should be able to pivot. If you master your content, you saw that that damn Family Matters, remember that Family Matters episode where he taught the boy who couldn't read? They used basketball cards because he Waldo. like it, no, it wasn't Waldo. It was a little kid. It was a little kid he was mentoring, right? But he Waldo was like, oh. <laughs> it didn't he, feel but, right. but the point that I'm saying is, it's like good teachers that know their stuff. Like Mr. Brown knew, like, oh, y'all get this. Y'all do well in the spelling bee stuff. So let me let me actually help you all out. Y'all gonna go do definitions. What does Pythagorean theorem mean? Okay, cool. Like, but he he was so good that on the fly he met his kids where they were. Like, if she got a sophisticated class that can do this and is down and and they. Like you said, Ray and, and Reef, they knocking out what they need to knock out. That's one thing, right? But yeah. you well, you you trying to do like I don't know, you trying to juggle and you can't catch one ball right now. And that's that's I'm scared for that. Yeah. I, I, it makes I was, me just nervous just knowing how poorly so many folks who are teaching math <laughs> don't know math. Yeah. Um, deeply. Uh, like it, yeah. that that makes me nervous. I remember being in high school and correcting my teacher. Multiple times. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, mm-hmm. like, like I, but I didn't know the depth of it. You know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like, oh, like, hey, that's wrong. Hey, that's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and that's probably because well, I, mean, I, I don't think I was unique. That wasn't a unique experience. Fam, you know so. how many times we're going to have somebody sign up to be a history teacher and then they mad in the classroom? Like, I'm teaching this algebra class. I don't I don't teach algebra. I teach history, right? Like, I've, I went to schools where that happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the teacher you want doing that part? Hey, that, know, hey that's, that's pretty far off right there. Like, right. I, see, I can see you taking a world history teacher and possibly... Yeah, they do having, it, bro. I understand, but I'm, I'm, what I'm saying, I'm mm-hmm. making an example. I can see you taking a war history teacher mm-hmm. and then having them teach English. 
right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. some there's some nuance to that. Or I could see you taking a chemistry or physics teacher and then having them teach math. There's some nuance to that as well. But having somebody like teach you're trying to say that no teacher could teach multiple like, subjects. Did, did I say what that? you're saying? Okay, <laughs> let's reel it in, brothers. Let's reel it in before we go on to the next one. This is what I will say about this last one that we just talked about. Um, First of all, the majority of Americans hate math and don't like it. And it's probably because of the way that it has been taught forever. The people of color have been taught uh, in a very Western way. We have been taught in discrete units and in very in very cold and calculated, um, not a continuum uh, um, that makes no sense and isn't relevant to our kids. And we have we have abused them by not allowing them to see the bigger context in which math has existed in in history and in life. And when and when I hear conservatives say things like, uh, you know, two plus two is going to equal four and woke math can't change that, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting because there is a mathematical concept in which two plus two does not equal four. And if they were better mathematicians, they would know about that particular. um, They would know about that. They would know that. So we can't let stupid people control debates about the context in which we teach kids math. Um, The people closest to them who want to make it relevant to their lives and their history. Uh, I had a, a black uh, mathematician on a show last week. We talked about this book, uh, The Peacock, which talks about the non-European roots of mathematics. And what's in that book, it's a crime that our kids don't know it, what's in that book. That, it, that it's in a bigger context, that it wasn't like invented by who you think it was and where it was. So anyways, I'm gonna say, well, I don't know. I'm going to split the difference. I'm talking about both sides of my mouth. I'm going to stick with Sharif. I'm, I'm for the bigger context of, of this particular one, uh, as long as teachers know what they're teaching and know what they're doing. But I do think kids, they're going to hate math no matter what. So you better you might as well make it more relevant. So on the last one, the last one I say, make sure you put that uh, that book in there what is it the crest or something of the, the crest peacock and the peacock yeah i'll pull it yeah. i'll pull it up uh as we do so we're gonna do one last one which is the easiest one out of all but it's the easiest to pick on and i'm gonna ask my people in the comments friends and families to to comment on this one because these are the ones that conservatives can really beat up on the most right so go ahead super producer let's pull this up Beyond the privilege walk. <laughs> have y'all ever done a privilege walk? I have. You've done it personally? Mm, yeah, I have. I've done, I've done it personally. Yeah. yeah. What was yeah. your experience when you were doing it? And and how did you feel about this? And should kids be doing this in, in schools? I don't I think mean, I, I would, kids. I think it's for Yeah, staff. I agree. I, I would not do this with my students. Um I did it with college students. Uh, majority of them were white, but I didn't have them do it as it traditionally is done where people are walking and things like that. When I did it as an adult, um, when I personally did this privilege walk, I was actually glad. And again, I was, it was very few. I think I may have been the only black man uh, in the room. Uh, and I actually I was glad that white people were doing it. So they have a, a better understanding. Also used to show this, this this little cartoon that shows kids running track and black kids can't even start the race until they've been lapped five or six times. You know, so I thought it was important for their knowledge when I did it with some college students. I had them just write it on a paper 
And so they could, because they were like, what is privilege? And so then it was like, it depends on society, depends on the context, but here's some things that can privilege you in this society. And so they were, you know, uh, just tallying it at their seat on their paper. I, I wouldn't, I would not do this with, uh, you know, with children though. Uh, I, yeah, I, I just don't like that type of uh, lesson planning. What about the rest of you brothers? I mean, mean, we should tell people what it is. Privilege walk very clearly. Everybody starts at the same line. You have a speaker who's ahead of everybody who says, take one step forward if both of your parents were married when you were growing up. Take a step forward if you never had to worry about food. Take a step forward if you've never been homeless, you know, all those type of things. And what's supposed to end up at the end, you're supposed to be see a group of people that are like out front and they're supposed to look behind and feel real bad because there's a whole bunch of people, you know, many steps behind them. And it's supposed to show them their privilege in that moment. Like, like, oh, my God, I am privileged. I never knew that I was privileged. Um, The reason I bring this one up, because conservatives hate this one the most because they feel like it's shaming white kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's meant to shame white kids. Do y'all think that this is, is, I mean, with that context, do you think it's bad? Go ahead, Charles. No, I mean, when I did it, I mean, you just describing a, a California icebreaker, bro. Like that's, I've, <laughs> I've done this so much. I've done it so much. Uh, but I mean, it, it was, but it was an icebreaker. I mean, the people that, yeah, I did it in a, that's how we do it in California. We do it in a circle where you can see everybody. Right. Um, but it was, it was, I mean, it was fine when we did it. I don't know if it's, if it's, it depends on the facilitator. Like a lot of these things that we talked about, right? Like what they, how they conceptualize. Cause for us, it wasn't just painting black people as like, you know, being beneath people. Like, I, I got to really understand, like, you know, uh, disabled people. Right. And people that had disabilities mm-hmm, that we couldn't mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you do it right, everybody is supposed to realize something that they have some privilege in that somebody else doesn't. And it's supposed to make you more compassionate. Right. But if you don't know what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? You just piling on. Right. Like if your skin is white and you get it, you burn at the, you know, what I'm saying it's like, bro, it's, it's wild. So um, I don't. <laughs> It just I've been I've been in some good ones, Chris, and I've been in some really bad ones. So, again, I am really worried when people that can't teach kids how to read fifth grade level English and regular math doing like these type of things. But I think when it's done well, it can be impactful. Mm. I've seen it done really bad. (laughs) And uh, and the person that was facilitating kind of didn't know how to react as uh, a. white males got offended at the fact that, you know, when they looked back, you know, there were people that weren't them and they didn't really know how to like internalize that and then have a conversation about it or whatever. It immediately put them on the defensive. But I think that there were some steps that could have taken place prior to to kind of take the edge off in terms of like just having that thoughtful conversation, but it also could have meant that the people that were in the room were racist. And that's why they couldn't really internalize that level. But it can still backfire if it's not presented in a manner that's, uh, that's effective. I I participated in what a couple of white men went to the bathroom, never came back. <laughs> Actually, I was just thinking just about one where I went. To, I'm like, yo, they ain't coming back to the PD. Nobody going to go check on. They have rolled, bro. I was in one where the where two white guys that were in there. Actually, they were the only two white males in, and uh, they were so hot about it that I like. 
I just saw it as an exercise, blah, blah, but the level of anger that was in them or whatnot, I can see now like how this could become a movement <laughs> somewhere else. But wait, but wait. going to watch your kids, you know. Let's add some nuance to it. Yeah. It was also, so not only was the, the white dude pissed off, but his best friend who grew up with him in the same white neighborhood who also taught on this particular staff that I won't mention, right? Yeah. Black dude was equally as hot as the white dude for the same reason why the white dude was hot. What do you do with that? Well, you know, and this is, this is what I'll say about this one. I think these ones are made to make us argue because they're wacky and they can be done bad, badly or they can be done to good effect. Not that they're one of those things where you have to ask yourself why? Cause kind of like you got so much other stuff to do that isn't controversial, like teach. Maybe this ain't one of the things that you do. If you, if you in Santa Cruz, okay. Right. But if you in Boise, probably leave it alone. Right. Like, like know the difference between Santa Cruz and hey, Boise. Man, there's black like, people in Boise, just, man. You know, shit. One, yeah, you know, nah, he's, and he's scared and he's not aware. He's not aware he's black. You know, but I will say this much about the privilege walk. It's, it's unfair to call it a privilege walk and pretend like all the questions are the same in all the ones that you've ever participated in one. I participated in one where people got mad at me because I didn't take a step forward when they were talking about male privilege. And uh, and I just refused to step forward. And I just, you know, I'm standing right where I'm standing. I'm back here. The white boys there, see? You know, and and it was like, well, he stayed anyways, in the room. He just shut down. I just like I stayed. Yeah, I, I didn't just shut down. I was like, my feet are planted. Look at me how you want to, to look at me right now. Anyways, I'm going to wrap on this one right now and just say the entire show today has been we called it dumb things done in the name of of equity. Um we started out with the definition of equity. Each of y'all given like some definitions of equity. I think no matter what, the thing that we're all caring about, no matter what happens in the world, is that outcomes are better, like that outcomes improve, that our kids leave schools and are able to do something in the world that helps them live a personally meaningful life. And that's a metric. If that's not happening, we know whatever you call equity, we know it's not working. We know it's not working if those numbers aren't right. Ray said he's a numbers guy earlier today. So in our rap, what I would say is each of us let's rap and give kind of credence to this idea around what the topic was today around dumb things done in the name of equity, because we do have to put a stake in the ground with the right who are trying to do deeply inequitable things. But it doesn't mean that we have to throw our entire lot in with the left that are doing things like in San Francisco, renaming schools while none of their kids can read. Like they're taking George Washington's name off of schools, for instance. But at the same time, they are not at all interested in the fact of educating only 7% of black kids that they have in their school system. So I think the left and the right need to hear from us about what we care about when it comes to equity. So let's do a round robin. Who wants to go first? I'll go first, All right. Go ahead. Do this. Go ahead. <laughs> this is my final thought, right? Or no? Yeah. Final thoughts, bro. Final, final thoughts. thoughts. All right. So my final thought uh, today goes out to PJ Washington. For those of you who do not know PJ Washington, this cat is a uh, basketball player for the Charlotte Bobcats. Are they the Bobcats still or are they the Hornets? What are they? Barry been a Hornets back for a minute, brother. All right. So the Hornets, Bobcat, whatever. Okay. Michael Jordan. Chris, Chris gave you clear directions. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. And, 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 and I said, yeah. even when he gave me the directions, I wasn't following those directions. I don't want to talk about, what I want to talk about right now. Detention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detention. You got detention. 
But this 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 brother uh, PJ Washington is paying two hundred thousand dollars a month. His renter got him in mm. child support, right? Mm. Two hundred thousand dollars a month in child support. Mm. And we're talking about equity first and foremost. No child needs two hundred thousand dollars a month in order to live a great life. Right? How That's much money does he have to have though to be able to pay two hundred thousand dollars a month? He's an NBA player. Yeah, he uh, must have a lot. He must have a lot of not, money. Not even. Not yeah. even. He, 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 he ain't the upper echelon of basketball. At, at all. Basketball he's like, he's like lower. Like, right? like, like, no. this year. Really? Okay. A year and he can get cut next year, right? Damn. Okay. But even still, he is paying 200 grand a month in child support. Yeah, he's a wow. dummy, though. It's, it's time, yeah, yeah. We could do a whole show on that, too. But it's time to revisit. No, we can't. No, we can't. But keep going. It's no, we can't. It's not we can never do that show, but keep going. I, mean, I can't get that, my final thought through because I keep getting <laughs> so clearly we can't do a show on it. Anyway, I think that, you know, I think it's time to, to reevaluate uh, child support laws. It's time to uh, put more power in, in the hands of men uh, that want to do the right thing by their kids and that want to see their kids. I think that we are living in a system and uh, you, you guys can feel, uh, feel free to disagree, but I think we're living in a system that um, doesn't really support men that want to do the right thing by their kids. And, um, and, and, and that's where I'm at. Equity. That's equity. I mean, you still can have a space to answer the question, brother, if you like. Charles, it's not your show. <laughs> I'm asking you if you want to answer this question, brother. That's all. Anyway, bro, this, this dude, man. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just trying to make I, hey, man, it, was, personal, it was a good go show. Ahead. I go like ahead, the points. It was, I like the points. I like this kind of show, man. It was great. Um, Rest well, uh, First Lady Gail Anderson. Thank you so much for everything you've done in my life and giving my mother her first place to live outside of that shelter. So uh, I ain't got nothing else, man. Y'all, y'all good. Let's go. Yeah, I would say you know as, as far as the show, I was uh, appreciate like looking at. It. I think you know I know uh, at least three out of the four uh, hands hates nuance, uh, but I think this was a show all about nuance. There are different ways to look at it. So I really appreciated uh, Chris bringing forth these uh, you know these issues, and there are a million more like that. But I think at the end of the day, when we're talking about equity, it's about accelerating outcomes and addressing. Um, injustice um, and doing that uh, quickly. Uh, I know earlier we just talked a little bit about self-care and and our sister Naomi had quoted, uh, you know, uh, Sister Audrey Lord. And so I just wanted to, you know, uh, part of my closing thought just to read that, you know, uh, where she said, caring for myself. So self-care, she just flipped it. Caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. I love that. I think that framing is really important as we do this work, as we, you know, may may take a step backwards, may have to rest, may have to unplug. Um, but at the end of the day, self-preservation in a system that is going to try to grind you up and they are not shy about it, uh, it's absolutely crucial so that we can mm-hmm. continue the work um, and be able to pass it along to the next generation. So thanks, y'all. Good to see y'all. Appreciate y'all. This has been a great show. To me, actually, I think it's the right time to have this conversation because, um, you know, we have a left and a right that's not us mm. that's fighting over our children. And they have lots of words that they're using and they have lots of comments that they're making. And they're all the smartest people in the world. 
uh, about our children. Talk about those two wings, bro. So, you know, the the left wing and the right wing of white America are connected to the same bird. And the more that they flap at each other, the more that bird stays in mid-flight, just cruising, cruising right along. So so we big dummies, if we are picking a wing, picking a side and thinking we winning by picking one of the wings of the same white bird that's been flying for like hundreds of years, uh, straightforward by flapping at each other. When at the end of the day, they have lots of secret agreements that keep them in agreement with each other. One of the most secret agreements that they have that is not so secret is they both think we're stupid. They both think that we're, we're dumb and incapable of figuring out our own liberation. And the way that they hide a lot of that is in language. So when we talk about equity or we talk about woke or being woke or any of these type of things or whatnot, that's not, that's not our language. So I hope that what we do is we don't have to decide on case by case, is this equity? But what I hope we do is we start reframing, renaming, reclaiming. We start reframing the debate. We start renaming the terms because equity isn't our term. And we start reclaiming our children. And we ask very specific questions. Whatever, all that that you just said sounds fancy. That sounds great. You real smart. You sound like you've been to college. I love it. How many of our kids are actually leaving your schools capable of doing something in the world that changes all the numbers we care about? Home ownership, jobs, income, business development, ability to uh, get government contracts and loans and qualifying for things that require qualifications or whatnot. Because all that other fancy stuff, that sounds great if it doesn't end up with us with more capital somewhere down the line. It's nonsense. So. That's my final word on equity. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for this show, for uh, indulging me. And for the people in our comments, our friends and family who come with us on a Sunday night, uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. Please like the show, share it, uh, turn a friend on it to it, a, a family member onto it. And remember that, um, remember that like we do have, we started in a place tonight where we do have to take care of each other. Uh, some of y'all have talked to some of y'all over the last couple of weeks. I'm worried that not everybody is, uh, uh, start, things are starting to wear thin for you, like your health and all that. Yeah. As Charles said earlier, you know, we got to come up with a different name for self-care because that ain't our language either. Um, but we do have to come up with a concept that we can all agree on that you're not going to work yourself to death, that you are actually going to uh, do what Charles does is show up in some foreign nation with a drink in your hand with, uh, you know, wind blowing behind you and sea breeze on your face and all that type of stuff. Right. Right. Let's make it. We'll do our next eight black hands show live from a place like that so we can example for people what it looks like to be free black people who take care of ourselves. So appreciate y'all. Self-care. Self-care. No, that's the, you have been listening to the eight black hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at eight black hands one. Thank you for listening.